0: This is uh, church as we know it, whether it's youth ministry, Sunday mornings, kids wing, where I just came from, I'll talk about that in a second, but you know there's just so much going on in the life of the church and it does not happen without the involvement of many people, even behind the scenes, stuff you'd never even realize, even on a Sunday morning, right? And so it's just so wonderful to work with you all and I know a lot of these people up here in the front, these are some good people, so um, thank you everyone who was here. Uh, yeah, I just came from the kids being, I was helping leading worship in the, in the kids town just then. So I'm a little out of breath still, I think, actually. We were jumping around and having a good time there, and uh, it's just been a joy and privilege to serve there. And uh, if you've got your Bibles, you want to turn to the book of Philippians. We are going to uh, jump into Scripture right away, and it's a very a familiar portion of Scripture. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab uh, the one in front of you in the pew. And uh, if your arms are too short, that's okay, just look up. We have, we're going to have it on the screen as well. So either way, you're going to get the word this morning. Philippians chapter 4. Very familiar portion of scripture, but very powerful. Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. The Apostle Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord when? Always. Always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Wow. Wow. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, not in some situations or when situations are good, in every situation by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which uh, which transcends all understanding, all human understanding, that peace will guard your heart Mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is uh, right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Those are the things we're to think about. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the peace, uh, the God of peace, sorry, will be with you. A God of peace will be with you. Thank you, Lord, for that. One last scripture here today. You don't have to turn to it unless you really want to. It's up on the screen. Here we go. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, another familiar scripture verse. Humble yourselves, therefore, uh, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Can anyone say amen to that? Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you today for your word. Thank you, God, that it has the power to radically change our lives if we read it, obey it, and apply it. Lord, we need to do all three of those things. Not just read it, but apply it and obey it. Lord, I just pray today you'd help us to do that today uh, with your words. And Jesus, I just thank you today for uh, your grace, your anointing, your presence and power moving in us and through us, Lord, that helps us live this life you've called us to live. We can't do it outside of your presence and power. And so, Jesus, I just pray for that this morning in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, although technically summer isn't over until about the third week of September, uh, for many of us, practically speaking, summer is winding down. Uh, My kids are going back to school this week. My son is starting grade one. That is crazy to me. And, uh, yeah, they they get, you know, grown like weeds, of course. And uh, so summer, for all intents of purposes for us, is over. I know some of you are trying to squeeze in one last camping trip, one last adventure. Uh, you know what? Don't even worry about it. It's going to snow next week anyway. Don't even bother, you know. Um, I'm just joking. Get it in if you can. Um, <laughs> but, you know, for a lot of us, practically speaking, uh, summer is over. It's certainly winding down. It's ending pretty quick. And I hope you had a good summer. I really do. I hope you had a wonderful summer. I know it's been raining around here a lot. Some of my plans got thwarted by the weather, but what can you do? Um, we actually had the privilege of going on a holiday for four weeks. I'm very thankful to God and to the church that they, maybe they were really trying to get me out of here for four weeks, I don't know, but they allowed me to go for four weeks. I took all my holidays in one chunk and we, uh, uh, we packed up all our kids uh, in the van and we drove to Ontario because we are crazy. And I don't know if you've ever driven that far with small kids or not, but anyways, it was quite the adventure. And uh, we actually had a great time in Ontario. We did a lot of fun things with the kids uh, and the grandparents, who are just slightly older versions of kids, and uh, and we, <laughs> especially my father-in-law, but anyways, um, he would admit it as well. Um, big kid. But anyways, we had a lot of fun together, did a lot of fun adventures as a family. Andrea's family had a bit of a reunion. In fact, there was about 40 people at this reunion, so we actually had a real fun time, and uh, one of the, the most... Uh, uh, fun days for us, Andrea and I anyways, was the day that we ditched our kids to the grandparents and took off for an entire day by ourselves. Uh, woo, yeah, you know. <laughs> we never do that because the, you know, all of our family lives out east, so we don't rarely get a chance to do that. And so we pawned them off on the grandparents. We were staying in Hamilton, and so we drove into Toronto for the day. And uh, in the morning, we caught some tennis matches, and we got to see the world's number one Novak Djokovic play tennis, which was really cool, all you tennis people, everyone else, you're like, who, right, whatever. Um, Anyway, so we got to watch tennis, and then later on that evening, we went into downtown Toronto to watch a Blue Jays game, yeah, that was really cool, that was a great, great game too, by the way. Anyways, I'll spare you the details on that, but um, (laughs) in in that afternoon, I had to meet someone uh, downtown, late that afternoon, before we went to the Jays game, and uh, and the meeting was at a, a, a second cup. I'll spare you the details of the meeting; it's not even important, and it's not very exciting. But uh, I had to meet someone at the second cup on the corner of young Street and Bloor Street. Now, if you know anything about Toronto, this is down, down, downtown. Like this is, this is right down there. Okay, and so we drove down there. That was fine, and I had to meet someone at the second cup on this corner, and so. You know, I got out of the vehicle, and Andrew's like, "Well, here, Darren, you go and meet, and I'll go try to park the van somewhere." All right. The uh, problem was, Andrea couldn't find anywhere in the park, and so she was, you know, circling, circling, driving around for quite some time, trying to squeeze in a parking place here or there or anywhere. Nothing was working. There were cars everywhere. This is like late Friday afternoon. There's people everywhere. You can hardly even drive and make a turn. Like, it was crazy. And so Andrea was getting, you know, a little frazzled, and uh, she couldn't find a place to park. In fact, my meeting was over, and she still hadn't found a place to park. (laughs) And so finally, when my meeting was over, she pulled up, I got in the van, and I discovered a highly more frazzled version of my wife than before we started this whole thing. And you could see the anxiety and the stress levels. And she's like, Darren, you drive. I'm done, right? So, so I get back into the driver's seat. Now I'm driving around, and in her anxiety levels, they're still going higher, even though I'm the one driving. And, um, and, and, to, make, you know, and to be fair, many of us would be a little frazzled then, right? Like, I mean, okay, I mean, I'm not just picking on her. Uh, it is a zoo down there. And anyway, so I, and what made matters worse, okay, this, this is what made it really bad. We have our minivan, and because we drove from Alberta, we had a rooftop cargo carrier on the top of the van, which made the van very tall. And all of the parking in this area of downtown Toronto was all underground in these little, tiny, small, very short parkades, and our situation was too tall. So we can't find anywhere. And so finally, Andrea was getting really, like, high anxiety, stress. I said, Andrea, this is what we're, I'm trying to be the calm one, right? Andrea, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pull over. We're going to get out of the van. You're going to put the seats down. I'm going to climb up and undo the roof rack thing. We're going to shove that thing in the van, and we're going to park in the parking garage. Okay. So we do this. Again, downtown Toronto, very busy. And I can just sense the stares of onlooking Torontonians (laughs) who see the Alberta license plate (laughs) judging the levels of our redneckness as we do this. (laughs) After about 10 minutes, Andrew got the seats down, I'm fumbling on top of the van of the roof, and finally we got this thing in here. I get back in the car, now to find a parking spot. And what happens? The first parking spot we found was above ground with no height restriction. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) funny but very true story. Um, And then we parked it there and we did not touch it for the rest of the day. That's where we parked (laughs) we hopped on the subway to do all the rest of our stuff the rest of the day. But you know what? Sometimes our anxiety and our worry can be overblown. Isn't that true? We can worry and get anxious and stressed out, really for no real, real good reason. Again, I'm not picking on my wife, because I mean, many of us would be a little, you know. But really, we were going to find a place to part, you know. Really, there was no danger to anybody or anything. But sometimes our anxiety and worry gets, and this is what I want to talk about today. You know, last week, Pastor Paul touched on it in his message, very powerful message. I, I didn't catch it. I'm often, like I said, in the kids' ring. I caught it in the podcast. And about 10 or so days ago, Pastor Paul asked me, "Dan, would you, yeah, would you like to preach next Sunday? Yeah, sure, all right. Thinking about, what am I going to preach on? I just had the sense to speak on worry and anxiety. I didn't even know Pastor, you know, it, was, it wasn't until like a few days later, or middle of uh, Tuesday or Wednesday last week, I heard the podcast. I'm like, all right, yeah, this makes sense. We're going we're gonna to continue on with this. Because the reality is many of us struggle in areas of worry and anxiety, right? Even as Christians, we do. And this is this is intriguing to me because the Bible really talks a lot about this. It talks a lot, it has it gives a lot of, of reasons and and things to say about worry and anxiety and, and how we should not live a life full of that. Amen. Now, we're going to struggle with it from time to time. None of us are, are immune to ever, oh, I never worry about anything, ever. Really? Ever? Ever, ever, ever? I mean, you know, To some degree, we will. And to some degree, we will, we will experience a little bit of, you know, things. But to live in this excessive, perpetual, constant worry and anxiety, I believe God wants to free you and I from that. Because some of us live there quite a bit. And I'm not here to throw stones or to, or, or, or to say, oh, you know, to put you down. But God wants to set you and I, any one of us who struggle with that, free today, amen? amen? He really does. So worry and anxiety, although a somewhat natural human response to the unknown really is what it is, I would say it's something that the enemy of our souls would like to use uh, to pull us down and to hold us back. From becoming all that God would intend us to become and from doing the things that God intends us to do, his plans for our life. The enemy would like to use fear and anxiety and worry to hold us back from becoming all that God would have us. It really can be a paralyzing foe that keeps us from God's best for our lives. I don't know if you've ever experienced this personally or know someone who has, Warren Weir'sby speaks to this issue a little bit, and it's a real sad statement, but there's some truth to it, and I know many in this camp. Most Christians are being crucified on a cross between two thieves, yesterday's regrets and tomorrow's worries. God wants to free us from both those things. Both of those things. You know what? Our past is our past. We can't change it, but God can redeem it. In fact, He has redeemed it. And when we put our faith and our hope and our trust in Him and we stand on the promises of His Word, no matter what's happened in our past, we can move forward in the grace of God. No matter how bad I messed up, no matter what the situation was, by faith I can move forward. So I'm not going to live in regret. Have I made some bad decisions in my past? You betcha I have. But I'm not going to live in regret. I'm not going to live in the past. By God's grace, I'm going to move forward. Both, All of us can do that. This is not just because I'm some optimistic person. No. I stand on the promises of God's word that he loves me and his grace is sufficient for me and for you. Amen? We can all move forward. And then talking about tomorrow's worries, well, this is really what we're going to talk about today. You know what Jesus himself said, you know, why worry about tomorrow? You know, today has enough worries of it. We can't do nothing about tomorrow. You know? What we worried about yesterday, it's probably not even happening today. You know? The things that we worry about very frequently, do they ever even come to fruition? We're going to talk about that a little bit. You know, it reminds me a little bit of a parable I once read. Just follow me for a moment here, and you'll see some of the destructive forces of fear and anxiety. Death was walking towards a man who stopped him and asked, what are you going to do? And death said, I'm going to kill 10,000 people. The man said, that's horrible. And death said, well, that's the way it is. That's what I do. And as the day passed, the man warned everybody he could about death's plan. And at the end of the day, he met death again and said, you said you were going to kill 10,000 people, and yet I see 100,000 people have died. And death explained, I only did kill 10,000. Worry and fear killed the rest of them. It's a metaphor, but you can see where this is going. Some of us, our lives have been hijacked by fear and anxiety and worry. And some, you know, dreams, God dreams. God dreams for your life. God's plans for your life. Some of those things have been killed off in the name of fear and anxiety. So anxiety and worry not only affect our spiritual health, certainly our emotional health, but also our physical health. You know th- Maybe you've experienced this. Maybe you know someone who has. Studies have shown that lives lived in constant worry and anxiety. I mean the, the, the adverse health conditions that are uh, as a result, I mean, it's very evident to see. I was talking to someone this morning who told me about a family member who lives in constant worry, and it's affected their health to the point that they get sick frequently, and it's brought on by worry. Wow. Interesting, right? So we know these things are true, but yet what does the scripture have to say about gaining victory over worry and anxiety? Good question. I'm glad you asked. Um, Well, when we look into our main text in Philippians, you know, who wrote Philippians? The Apostle Paul. And in If there was anyone who had reason to have a little bit of worry and anxiety in his life and fear, it was the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was writing Philippians while he was imprisoned. He was already in prison. Now, if we just stop for a moment and think about this, most of our fears have come to fruition, probably wouldn't even land us in prison. Paul was already there. Under great persecution, the Philippians church, Paul himself, under, under the threat of death even, for goodness sakes. We read earlier in the, in the book of Philippians about a great rift in the church between uh, Euodia and Syntyche. A conflict that was happening between a couple people that must have been serious enough that Paul wrote about it publicly in the letter. And Paul couldn't be there to help straighten it out. Think he was a little bit concerned, worried? think paul would have any reason to be concerned or worried or to be fearful about his own personal situation or what was going paul had every reason to be a little anxious a little worried really he does but paul when he reads when we read the letter here we see that he's giving advice and encouraging us and imploring us on how to gain victory over worry and anxiety there's no reason for the believer to live in fear and anxiety, according to Paul. We read in the, uh, in the original Greek text here, the word that's used for anxious in this text is meroneo. I hope I said that right. Mer, all you Greek scholars, Pastor Paul, I don't know. Meroneo, mer, which in the context that this word is often used, is often used in, in, when persecution is the issue. And we know that persecution was a real issue in the church in Philippi in this time. But to Paul, even the threat of persecution and imprisonment and death itself was not a legit reason for a believer to live a life of worry and anxiety. You guys hear that? Death itself is not a legit reason for a believer in Christ to live in fear and anxiety. One of the word pictures... Of the Greek word used for anxious and anxiety, miramneo, is to be pulled in different directions. What a great and yet awful description of what anxiety feels like. You know? It's like you're, like, you know, you got your hopes pulling you this way and your fears are pulling you this way. is that what living, doesn't that what anxiety feels like? You know, and you're being pulled apart by your hopes, hoping everything will work out, and your fears that it won't, and you're kind of being, ah! that's, a, that's a kind of a terrible, but I think probably an accurate description. And this, this really is the word that's being used, even in the Greek, for anxiety. The old English uh, root word that comes from the Latin that's used for worry, literally means to strangle. Worry means to strangle. And it's interesting, really. You know, commentator Peter David says this about it. He says, To carry anxiety is likely to choke the fruitfulness, to choke the fruitfulness of God's work in one's life. And even though that's a bit of a play on words, we talk about, you know, but look, look what Jesus says himself. Well, it's not even on there. I'll read it. Mark, sorry. Mark 419, look it up. Talking about worry choking? Jesus says it. The worries of this life The deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful, right? And it's interesting how Jesus says the worries of this life, the deceit of wealth. What is one of the things that we worry about most? Money, right? One of the big causes, not the only one. Big cause for a lot, you know, our stress, our anxiety, our worry. A lot of times, is to deal around money. Interesting. We could do a whole another topic on that. Pastor Paul talked. Actually, Pastor Paul talked a lot about it last week. You know, from the spiritual point of view, Warren Rearsby says, from the spiritual point of view, worry is wrong thinking. We're going to talk about this. Wrong thinking has to do with the mind. Wrong feeling about circumstances, people, and things. Worry really is the greatest thief of joy. Now, before I go any further, I want to address a simple fact. Some of you probably already been thinking about it as I've been talking about anxiety and worry. In a room this size, there's probably some among us who've been diagnosed with anxiety disorders. And perhaps you're on medication to help with that. Now, I think in general, generally speaking, our culture is a... Highly medicated, probably too much medicated culture. We do like to medicate too much, I think, for our problems. When we go, you know. That being said, if you have been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder and you're taking medications to help with that, do not leave here and toss your pills down the toilet. Okay. God does create, you know, like the, the scientific world around us that God uses doctors and science to help with us, and medications are fine. You know what? It, if you're taking, you know, if, you, if you're dealing with anxiety and worry to that level, well, you're, you're taking a pill right now, you know, please, just keep taking it, okay? But, but, and this is a big but, okay? Always like big buts in church. Anyways, um, <laughs> I'm really sorry about that. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I really need to learn to control myself. Okay, okay. Um, we all need to ask ourselves some tough questions about where we are putting our hope and trust. Okay? Are we trusting in Jesus for everything in our life, as the Bible clearly tells us we should? You know, in Acts 17, it says, in Him we live and move and have our being. And that God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. So if you're taking medications for, you know, don't stop. But I challenge you to dig deeper into, the, into God's word, into what he has for your life. Because I believe there's principles in the scripture that are far more powerful to set you free from anxiety and worry than there is even in any medication and any pill. God's presence. So again, don't feel this is condemnation. Don't go and toss your pills down the toilet. Take those pills, but dig into the things of God and apply these things into your life and you will experience a greater degree of freedom. Now that I got that out of the way. No more big butts, all right. Um, In the passage in Philippians, Paul uh, tells us basically, and I'm going to sum it up in three ways, okay? Three Elements to gaining victory over excessive worry and anxiety that we find in this text of Scripture. And I've kind of written it up this way. Right praying, right thinking, and right living. And we're going to talk about these three things. So the first one, elements to gaining victory over worry and anxiety. Number one, right praying. This is interesting. In verse 6, of course, the very familiar uh, part of this text Says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So don't be anxious. Instead, pray, right, with thank and petition and thanksgiving. That's interesting how the apostle Paul puts these three words together. And, and 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 you know, you might think, well, Darren, you're overthinking this, but I want to pause here for a few moments. Prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. These are three different words. Do they go together? Sure they do, absolutely. Are there overlaps in the meanings and the connotations? Sure there are. But there's some distinctives here, okay? And this is actually important for us. If we want to gain victory over, again, worry and anxiety. The word prayer is really a general term. It's a general word for communicating with God. This is not just about asking God for stuff, that's petition. We will talk about that. But it's prayer and petition. Prayer is about an intimate, worshipful, devotional, spending time with God, getting alone with God, and actually having an intimate relationship with Him, really. So prayer is a, kind of an all-encompassing word. But, but what's usually the thing that we do when, when worry and anxiety start to creep up in our life? You know, what well, we run to God and we just haul out our scroll of all of our needs. God, I need this. God, I need this. And we just kind of, we just come to Him with our needs. And that's good. Come to God with your needs. But guess what? You're thinking about your needs. Does that help you get your mind off your needs? No. So prayer, again, it's about worship. It's about adoration. It's about reflecting, meditating on God, on His Scripture. And all of these things, praise and worship and adoration and devotion, that is all designed to take your mind off your problems, off your circumstances, and put it on God, the one who actually has answers to your problems, and the one who's going to walk with you through your circumstances. So when we come to God and we just start spewing out all of our needs, it doesn't take our mind off of our needs. Now we need to do that too, but I'll get to that. We need to understand this, guys. Church is designed for that. Do you know that, by the way? That's a big, I think, a big reason why it's so important to come to church. Why we have these songs of, of worship and praise. It's not just because we want to be a big karaoke time together. You know? It's to get our minds off of whatever's going on and put it on God. That's why, you know, when I start to raise my hands in praise and in worship, it takes my mind off of myself or or the crazy morning I had and the kids were nuts and things didn't, you know, whatever. It takes my mind off of my circumstances and it puts it onto God. When I start to sing, when I start to shout, whatever, in praise and in worship, that's why we're to do it. Too often we rush into God's presence just asking for stuff without taking the time to, pro- to give proper worship and adoration to the Lord. Praise, worship, adoration, or I already said all this, designed to take our minds off our problems and circumstances and put it on God. Whenever we find ourselves worrying about stuff, we need to get alone with Him and simply worship Him. He is good, and He loves you and I. Do you believe it? Let's spend time adoring our Lord and Savior. So prayer... And then it says petition, in prayer and petition. So petition is presenting our request before God. Nothing wrong with that. We should do that. It's telling us to do that. Okay? Now, it's important as well to pray in accordance to God's will. We know this, right? When we pray in accordance to God's will, Lord, your will be done, okay? Then we know. He not only hears our prayers, but he will answer them. And there's great victory in that. And we trust God with the results for our lives. And then thirdly, thanksgiving. And this is as simple as it sounds, you know, in all things that we are to be thankful to God. This is not being thankful for all things. Not that you're thankful for your problem, okay? For that disaster that happened. (laughs) But you're thankful even in the midst of those circumstances, you're still thankful to God. There's always something to be thankful for. Amen? Always something. I don't care what you're going through. Darren, you don't know what I'm going through. No, I don't. And I'm sure it's tough. But there's always something. Lord, thank you that I have breath in my lungs today. Hello. And even if... All, can I say this? All hell is breaking loose in your life. Even if things are like the enemy is running rampant in your life and nothing is going the way that you, you keep your faith and hope and trust in Jesus Christ. We have a hope that goes beyond the circumstances of this earth. We have an eternal life with him, amen? We have heaven to look forward to with him. Amen? We do. We do. We do. We have a lot to be thankful for if we are in Christ. So, right praying. And then we have number two. Well, hello. There we go. We already went through all that. Right thinking. There we go. Right thinking. Living a life of peace free from excessive worry or anxiety involves both the heart and the mind. Isaiah 26.3 says, you will keep in perfect peace, I love that, perfect peace, with those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. We know the the familiar verse in Romans 12, too, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Wow. It's thinking about the right, isn't this one of the big problems with worry and anxiety? It really is a battle of the mind, isn't it? Right? Our our thoughts are out of control. We can't stop thinking about this thing that may never happen or this problem or whatever. We can't stop thinking about it. But Paul is telling us to renew our minds. Well, how do we do that? You know, it's interesting. Paul says right here in verse 8 of Philippians 4 in our main text, he says, Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy. think about those things. <laughs> you know? That's what you need to be focusing on. Think about that. Not all this other stuff that may or may not ever happen, right? Think about these good things. Wow, I want to talk about this for a moment. Whatever is true. Think about true things. Well, Darren, there's a lot of true things, right? <laughs> what do you mean? Can you narrow that down a bit? Okay. God's Word. You think this is true? You're walking with God? You're a believer? You're a Christian? The truth of God's Word? Why don't we start reflecting on the truth of who God is and what He says about Himself and about you and I? You're starting to get bummed out about worry and anxiety? Well, you know what? Let's just start focusing on God. Guess what? You say in your word that you are going to provide for all my needs, that you know, you own the cattle on, a, a, you know, on all those hills and all those cattle. And <laughs> something like that. Anyways, uh, according to your riches and glory, you're going to provide for all my needs. And, and, you know, I, that, that's a promise from God's word. You know, we're going to read it, we have it in our text a little later on. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these. Talking about provision, when you put God first, God provides for all your needs, right? Okay. So we need to reflect on the truth of what God says. You start to get anxious and full of anxiety. The truth of what God says about you, Lord, thank you that you, that you love me, that, you know, that, that your grace is sufficient for me in my time of need. Thank you, Jesus, that you say all these things. That Start thinking about the truth of God's word. And by faith, he said, Well, Darren, I don't know if I struggle with believing that God loves me and that His grace is sufficient for me. Friends, this is, a, this is by, the righteous shall live by faith. Right? The Bible taught it's, but I, I believe these things because I have faith to believe them. I'm putting my faith and trust in God's promise. And because I do that, I can continue moving forward and not be, you know, give in to the temptation of living in worry. Or anxiety. Think about the truth of who God is and what He says about Himself and about us. Think about what is true. He will provide for all of your needs. Think about whatever is noble, He goes on to say. Well, what does that mean? Well, noble means worthy of respect and right. I would say that throughout the history of the world, and certainly in 2016, there are many things that I would say that are not noble in fact they are probably dishonorable and we find ourselves in our culture today we are bombarded by advertisements and media to say you need to do this or do that or think about this and think about that and often not always but often a lot of those things are not honorable they're not noble in fact they can be dishonorable or deplorable or just plain old sinful but the Bible says, Paul says, to think about those things that are worthy of respect. If we want to be a people who are worthy of respect, let us think about things that are worthy of respect. Right? If you're thinking about all these other things, guess what? That's the way you're going to live your life. Think about respectful things. It goes on to say, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable talking about renewing our minds here right friends right this is renewing our minds we got to think about these things they're pure lovely admirable you know our culture has confused love with lust we need to think about things that are pure finding great example of people who are pure lovely and admirable seem to be harder to find to find the but they're around for sure even in this room there are people who you know, But if I want myself to be pure and lovely and admirable, if I want that for my life and my family, I need to think about things that are pure, lovely, and admirable. And I need to find people that I can say, you know what, there's a great example of someone who's pure, lovely, and admirable, and I watch them, and I watch their lives, and I emulate. You know what I mean? It helps me to become more like that. Does that make sense? Helping us to renew our minds here. Whatever is excellent or praiseworthy. You know, if something is done well, it will or it should motivate us to do better. When I see something done really well, that gets me motivated. Ah, wow, yeah, great. You know? I don't know. If something is praiseworthy, it's worth telling others about. Think about those things. So it comes to right thinking. Getting our minds off of our problems. Putting them on God, who has the answers to our problems. And promises to walk with us through the circumstances. Right praying, right thinking, and then lastly, right living, which we kind of talked about already. Isaiah 32, 17 says, and the work of righteousness shall be peace. Wow. And the effect of righteousness is quietness and peace. How many know that when you do the right thing, you can live in peace? Right? If I obey the law, I don't have to be worried and full of anxiety that I'm going to be arrested by the police. Generally speaking, right? (laughs) Um, When you do what's right, when you live righteous, it leads to peace. James 3.17 says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable. You know, unless our conscience is completely seared, living right, that is living, doing the things God would have us to do, it generally leads us to peace when we do what's right. It doesn't mean we're perfect, right? I'm not saying that, okay, well, all oh, you messed up, you sinned. Okay, now go ahead and live in anxiety and worry forever. It's not because we you know, we're going to mess it up, but generally speaking, when you're living for God, you're living for Him, uh, you know, living by faith. Yeah, if you, if you if you mess it up, if you sin, you, you get right back to God. and You say, God, forgive me. And by faith, we move forward choosing to believe uh, the Bible when it says that nothing can separate me from his love. How That's how we all move forward, right? That's how we all move forward in our walk with God. The right I already said this in, in, in Galatians, the righteous shall live by faith. And consequently, that faith will help us to live a more transformed uh, life into his image from degree of glory to the next. And this is what it's all about. And I've already touched on this a bit and we're going to uh uh, what time is it okay we got a little bit a little bit of time um pastor paul mentioned these couple i want to pause for a moment and talk about a couple very familiar more familiar scripture and pastor paul um quoted it last week but we need to hear this because if you're here today and you really struggle with high degrees of anxiety and worry this is really what it comes down to okay i said a lot today but here's really the what you really need to hear Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with half your heart. No, 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 wait a minute, let me try that again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. All your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. You know, a couple weeks ago I had a conversation with a friend of mine over the phone uh, every one, month or two, we get on the phone together and we just talk about whatever you know, spiritual things, sports, kids, family, whatever. I got on the phone with them uh, a few weeks ago and I can't even remember the topic, but it was about something to do with it could have been, humanly speaking, a stressful situation and maybe others would have been stressed out or full of anxiety. I can't even remember what it was. Shows you how much I stress about it. And but he asked me the question, darren, where do you get that from how How are you so just chill when this you know like wh- how, did, how did you get to that place and I, and I said, you know bitch I, said, I don't know you know by God's grace when I became a Christian, I read something like this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I say, okay, God, this sounds like a promise to me. you say if I trust in you with everything I have with all my heart, that you are going to lead me and guide me and keep me on the straight path if I trust you with everything I got. Okay, Lord. By your grace, I'm going to try to do that. I'm going to do that. Have I always done it perfectly? No. But by his grace, you know what? I, I have been doing that for tw- almost 20 years now. Amazing. I can't even believe I just said that. that has been a long time going by quick see what I'm getting at? I, I, another scripture verse that, that really changed my life. We, Pastor Paul quoted the last week, and I may have said it earlier. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I remember reading this as a brand new Christian, you know, like 16 years old. I'm reading this and saying, okay, God, you said, if I put you first, your business first, your, pl- I'm not going to try to, manipulate life in circumstances for my own gain, but I'm going to ser- uh, serve you first and seek you first and put you first in my life. And you promise that if I do that, that you will provide for all my needs. I'm in Lord. Yep. Sign me up. I, I'm going to put you, you know, have I always done that perfectly? Well, maybe not, but guess what? But by his grace, I've been doing that for almost, tw- you know what I mean? And God's been faithful, right? Over all these years, I'm just saying, wow, as I've strived to put God first in my life, man, he has met every need. I've realized that God has proven himself over and over and over again that there is no need to worry. No need, man. I have I can you know, I'm not going to There's things in my life even now. Things that many of you would be so stressed out about, so worried about, you know, stuff to do with housing, mortgages, stuff like this. And the long story i don't even worry about it i literally don't worry about it it's not worth worrying about how many of you in here think you can control the economy i cannot it is out of my control right what happens with economies and mortgage rates and blah 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 and and you know we we own up okay i'll let you in a little bit we own a place in fort i used to live in fort mcmurray right and we moved from there to here. I never sold my place. They had the big fire up there. I was almost praying the house would burn down, but it didn't. But anyways. Um, <laughs> I didn't pray for that. I we have good renters in the place. I'd hate, you know, i feel for them. There's just things that are out of my control, out of all of our control, right? Why worry about it? I worry about it. It doesn't do anything to fix the situation. I'm thankful that as a young Christian, I realized this very quickly. If I put God first, all these things will be given to me. All my needs will be looked after, and even some of my wants. (laughs) And I'm thankful for that. Very thankful for that. It's about trusting God. It's really about trusting him too often we put our hope and trust in ourselves and what we can do what we can accomplish friends there's some of you here today that you have such deep worry and anxiety over loved ones over family members it's eating you up alive you need to give that to God you can't, all your worry and anxiety ain't going to change a single thing. Come to Jesus. Get that peace that, what does it say? It passes understanding. What does that mean? It means that no human thing could ever really explain it. The peace that I have in my heart, even when things get crazy and I'm thinking about finances and that, it, like I said, my, my friends ask me, Darren, how do you do that? It doesn't even make sense. It comes from Jesus, it comes from Him. You don't get that anywhere else. 1 Peter 5 and 6 says this. We read it earlier. And if you notice, this is really the title of the message. It says, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. This is a real... Challenge for us. We don't know how to cast onto God. We don't know how to do that. It doesn't say, and, and this is actually important. This is important language. It, the, the word that's used, cast, in the Greek, literally means send forth by throwing. Okay, that, yep, that makes sense. That's cast, sure. But it doesn't say, place lightly into God's hands your problems. Or gently lay them up. It says to cast them onto God, right? Throw them on the mercy of God. Throw them on the love and the grace of God. We are to throw them onto God. It's demonstrative language. It's an action language here, okay? This is not just simply passively sitting around waiting, hoping, wishful thinking that God's going to show up and help. It says to cast your cares on him. Some of us don't know how to do that. We need to learn how to do that. This is, again, talking about prayer. Coming into God's presence. This is what this is about. I had a... I'm going to show a picture in a moment. And uh, talking about people who don't know how to cast properly. Now, the last time I went fishing... um, wasn't that bad, anyway. Uh... I don't fish very often. Some of you guys are great. I was fishing with some friends. and We went to a river and I borrowed a rod off my friend in the first cast of the day. <laughs> half the rod went <laughs> flying into the river. I thought my first catch of the day was reeling in the rest of the rod, you know. Um, at least I was casting in the right direction. Um, this is actually a problem, though. This is my buddy. He posted this on Facebook two weeks ago or a week ago. Um, he went fishing and his buddy, <laughs> talking about don't know how to cast properly. You know, I joke, this is what happens when we don't cast in the right direction. But some of us, okay, you see that picture? It's kind of nasty. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Um, <laughs> some of us cast in the wrong direction, okay? Instead of casting our problems to God, casting our care, what do we do? We cast them sideways to someone else. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes it's good to talk to people about your problems. You know, some people can give you wise counsel. That's fine. But often when we're casting to someone else, we're not just coming to... We're doing it in replacement to casting to God. We're venting, you know. We're, we're, We're grumbling. We're complaining. We're gossiping. And we're casting our stuff sideways. And we haven't taken the time to actually throw it upon God. When the Bible says to cast all of our cares onto Him. Why? Because He cares... For you and I. And we need to trust in his loving care. That he looks after his own. He does. And he promises it in his word. And if you've been walking with God for a length of time. And if you really have been putting him first in your life. Maybe you can say this. I know I can. God has looked after me every step of the way. There's been times where things looked impossible. But God made it possible. God opened doors that they could never, humans could never have opened. It's amazing how God has been so faithful over the years. He's a trustworthy God, my friends. You can trust Him with your loved one, whom you're so worried about. You can trust Him with your finances, with your home, with your job. You know what? Your job is not your provider, God is your provider. He provided the job for you, He'll provide another one if He needs to. God is your provider. I hear an amen from over here. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Sorry, that's just Roger. <laughs> God provided some good work for Roger here recently. God is your provider if we trust in him. Why don't we stand here this evening? Why don't you come out This evening, this morning, whatever time it is. I've been up since 4.30 in the morning. It feels like the evening. <laughs> One last story in conclusion today, and we'll let you all go. Max Anders tells a story in one of his commentaries on um, the book of Philippians. He's writing a story. A number of years ago, a very rich man wanted a painting that would portray peace. He commissioned three artists to paint peaceful scenarios. Wow. After a month, the artists returned with their paintings completed, and each painting was placed in the foyer covered by a veil, waiting the moment of revelation. The first artist unveiled his painting of a beautiful mountain scene. Can you picture it? The mountains were covered with green aspens and spring flowers, and the snow-capped majestic peaks rose up to meet a blue, cloudless sky. And the rich man said, I like it. This mountain scene is indeed peaceful. And then the second artist removed the cloth veil, draped over his masterpiece... And his painting was of a beautiful ocean view. The sand was crystal white. The sea was blue and tranquil. The sun was slowly setting in the sky as its reflection danced across the placid sea. Doesn't that sound wonderful? (laughs) In the center of the picture were two people relaxing in lawn chairs at the sea's edge, their feet dangling in the water. And the rich man was delighted. He said, I love the beach. I love this. What a splendid portrayal of peace. And the third artist reluctantly pulled the veil from his painting. And the rich man looked with puzzlement. The artist had painted a waterfall scene. And in this scene, a raging river is falling hundreds of feet, crashing on the rocks below. And the rich man said, how is this peaceful? The sound of the water is deafening, and all I see is turbulence. Where is the peace? And then the third artist said, look closer, sir. Notice I painted the waterfall from the side. Look closely under the fall but, uh, behind the water and you'll see a cleft in the rock. Do you see it? Leaning forward, the rich man replied, Yeah, I see it. And there's also a bird perched in that cleft. And the artist responded, That's it, sir. You see? That's the peace. That's real peace. In the midst of a noisy turbulence, the bird is found. But, friends, this is the kind of peace that you and I can experience today. This doesn't mean that God's going to change all your circumstances. It doesn't mean that in an instant all your problems are going away. But God promises peace in the middle of a storm. Peace that passes understanding. It's that inner sense of of, of tranquility, of of peace that just passes understanding. Put our hope and our trust in our faith in the person of Jesus, and we come close to Him. Let me just bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment. We're going to pray. Maybe you're here today. And again, all of this is not throwing stones at anybody because we all, to a degree, have struggled with worry and anxiety at some point in our lives. day and you would say, Pastor Darren, I struggle excessively with worrying and anxiety. This is, this is a daily struggle for me to a high degree. I'm not going to do anything weird. I want to pray for you today. Pastor, can you just slip up your hand. And, and I'm with you guys. I, I want to pray with you. I want to love on you. I want to pray for you. I God wants to accept you. right, don't be shy. Just keep your hand up. I'm going to pray for you right now. And all God's people, you know what? Why don't you pray along with me here, okay, again. Let's pray for our brothers and sisters. Jesus, I pray today for my brothers and sisters who have hands raised up around the room. God, you know them. Lord, you created them. Lord, you know, know every hair on their head, let alone their circumstances. God, you know intimately everything about them and their circumstances and their situations. Jesus, I pray that today, Lord, that they would find a new hope, Lord, a new trust, Lord, a new level of faith in your goodness and your grace and your character and who you are, God, I pray that you would set my brothers and sisters free today. Set them free, Lord, from, from fear and anxiety. Set them free, Lord God. Help them, Lord, to put the principles of your scripture in place in their lives, Lord, that they would indeed think right they would learn how to renew their minds, to focus on your truth, to focus on your promises, to focus on whatever whatever's true and noble and pure and lovely. I pray that you would help my brothers and sisters learn how to get into that place of prayer and worship and to take their mind off of those circumstances and focus on your goodness and who you are. Thank you, Jesus, for walking with us through every storm, every situation. Thank you. You never leave us or forsake us. Thank you for that promise, God. And thank you that all your promises are yes and amen. And, God, we can stand upon them today. So, God, I just pray now for everyone in the room that as we leave here today, that your presence, your power would go with us, Lord, and help us this week to live for you and to make a difference in our world. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you today.